You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Uh... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we are going to be watching The Claws of Axos. The Claws of Axos was written by Bob Baker and Dave Martin, directed by Michael Ferguson, produced by Barry Letts, and aired March 13th. 1971 to april 3rd 1971 these are an acting uh sorry a writing duo usually work together whenever it is they write scripts for doctor who and they will go on to write several but this is their first their first episode i have absolutely no idea what to expect (laughs) (laughs) again in keeping with tradition doctor who is giving us absolutely fucking Nothing to work with in terms of the title. (laughs) There will probably be claws. I'm assuming there will be claws. My prediction is the master is not content with anything other than an absolute total victory and not wanting to settle for a minor victory in the last episode, decides that he is going to assassinate the doctor in the most simple, cleanest, purest, obvious way possible. By resurrecting dinosaurs and training a pack of raptors to maul him and he calls them the claws of axos or whatever you called them you know there are some predictions that you give that are just like if you had just waited <laughs> look i don't think I don't think the master is involved in the episode in which Doctor has to fight dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't remember that episode well enough to definitely tell you that he wasn't involved. <laughs> Specifically, a pack of raptors trained to assassinate him. I like that prediction. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I wish it were true. But I do like it. It sound it sounds good. I would watch it. Let's hope it's not another Galaxy Four situation in which God, I'd rather watch yours. <laughs> what was my Galaxy Four prediction again? Yours was the uh the galaxy was being Oh auction. Put put on auction, yeah. Yeah, that would have been a much better episode. There have been a couple of episodes where like, wow, I'd rather watch your prediction rather than what we actually watched. It's just the Galaxy 4 is the one that pops into my brain first. (laughs) Makes sense. And I suppose on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going.
And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was 10 days for us. Well, Caleb, a monumental day for us here. Because this is the first capital B, capital E bad episode that the third Doctor has had. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but there's... I said this off stream, but the show has a real problem with like having very, very cool villains and then executing them terribly. Yes. This episode is not as bad as the web planet, but I would call it the third Doctor's web planet. So far. I mean, spoiler alert, it's definitely at the bottom of my ranking. But like the, the, flaws, I, the flaws that are in this episode are parallel to the flaws of the web planet, I think. My biggest flaw in this episode in general, and it's going to be difficult to really convey in this podcast setting. You're going to have to just take my word for it. The editing was so fucking wonky. It was, I don't know, it was, the editing was really weird, and it felt like a lot of characters were written out of character. Mm-hmm. The writing, in, it felt like a lot of scenes were were written and uh, produced and everything, but then just taken out on the cutting room floor. That's how it reads to me, because it feels like there's a lot of jumps in character motivation. Yeah, I can agree. The The episode overall feels surprisingly brisk. Uh, like, it feels rushed. Except yeah. they cut all the scenes that you wanted to watch. Yeah, which I'll go ahead and give you this a trivia as context, because, I mean, it makes sense. Um, so... The writers, Bacon, Baker and Martin, uh, they originally pet- pitched this episode as a seven-parter starring the second Doctor. Mm. And it definitely feels like it. It definitely feels like a seven-parter was written and they just took a bunch of shit out. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Without ever actually bothering to, like, sand over the gaps. And again, it focuses on all the wrong things, I think. I feel like huge parts of this episode are, like, weirdly political or, like, about political drama, about who's in charge. Something the show's never done before. And <laughs> not on the only cool aspects of the episode. Yeah. But enough talking in vague terms. Yes. Let's get into it. Let's just get into it. Episode 1. Unit Radar Control picks up a mysterious comet heading toward the planet. However, a shot from outer space reveals a fleshy spaceship approaching. Back on Earth, a man named Mr. Chin is insistent on learning more about the Doctor, but the Brigadier shrugs him off. While Chin and the Doctor argue, Joe introduces a man named Bill Filer, an American sent over to investigate the Master. Meanwhile, a homeless man witnesses the strange ship land and is quickly captured, analyzed, and consumed by the ship. Unit shows up to investigate, and the ship also captures Filer. While there, he sees that the Master has been captured as well. The Doctor and Unit investigate when the Doctor is mentally assaulted, and the ship's intelligence declares him as non-typical. Golden aliens appear and explain they are from a faraway galaxy, and wish to exchange a technology known as Axonite in exchange for fuel. The Axonite allows its users to shrink and grow matter, offering a solution for world hunger, among other things. Chin greedily claims they must have it. Joe, who has snuck on board, encounters a strange tentacled alien and screams. Credit to the special effects people they they're trying their best but honest to god the axos ship flying through space just looks like someone just took a rubber chicken and just chucked it <laughs> i don't know what it is for me but like i i find like old sci-fi special effects really endearing 
I mean, so do I. I'm not saying that as like a like a, a point against it. I'm just saying this ship just feels like someone took a rubber chicken, maybe strung like a string next to it, and just like like yeah. hovered it over the camera lens. It it, it does feel like that. It's very yeah. <laughs> or like when you see like the Earth and like you see like the ship come into frame, you can just you can see that you can almost feel the camera guy holding the camera and with his other hand just bringing this thing in from the corner. <laughs> Which I would not be surprised at all if that's what it actually <laughs> was. Also, for our rabid 40k fans that watch this podcast. Yeah, all of them. All of them. Uh, Tyranids. This episode is Tyranids. I'll take your word for it. Uh, that's what they do. They, they, they fly in their own bodies and use their bodies as weapons. Okay. Before we even get a chance to like think that... These aliens who are offering to help might be on the up and up. While the rubber chicken is flying through the cosmos, it cuts to a giant spaghetti monster and that just like roars at the camera and then cuts back down to Earth. Just so you know, right off the bat, hey, this isn't good. Yeah, just so you know, these guys are assholes. No mystery, no tension. This episode also uh, spends an inordinate amount of time following the homeless dude that eventually gets killed by the ship. An inordinate amount of time. It is weird how much time they spend on the homeless guy. I'm gonna say it's like upwards of 20% of the episode. It is a solid chunk of time that this man is on screen and has no lines. Yeah, it hasn't come up yet, but one of my notes is, so is there a point to the hobo? Or... Yeah, because, like, basically, like, so you see that spaceship scene, and then you see Chin arguing with the Brigadier about, hey, who's this man who works for you but has no paperwork? Uh, a valid question, I would say. Yeah, I was watching that, and I said, look, the insufferable bureaucrat has a point. At least forge some documents or something. <laughs> <laughs> you need something that'll hold up in court when the doctor inevitably fucks shit up. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it goes from the Brigadier, uh, and Chin arguing, and then it cuts to this homeless man rummaging through the trash for, like, two minutes, and then it cuts back, and now the Doctor and Chin are arguing, and then it cuts back to the same homeless man finding a bike in the trash, and then riding away on it. It's very weird. It's very weird that we didn't just get one scene of him seeing the ship. We had to see his whole arc leading up to it. We had to see his entire day. What did he have for breakfast this morning? What route did he take in order to find the ship? What are his hopes and dreams? When they are arguing, you know, this first time, um, they're arguing over whether this uh, unidentified object that's coming in should be shot with a missile or not. I'm like... Maybe this is the hopeless optimist in me talking, but do you think we've had enough friendly aliens that shooting a missile shouldn't be the automatic reaction? Mac, that was last week. You're right, you're right. It's so long ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I feel like the Brigadier just kind of like flips a coin on like, am I a xenophobe today or not? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was the Bill Filer? His American accent isn't god-awful, He's not doing a Southern accent or a John Wayne impression. And just like that alone is a, a breath of fresh air in terms of American characters in, in Doctor Who. It is true. It, it's not Southern. I guess I maybe I wasn't paying that much attention because like the man is uh, 
Milk Toast is like too strong of a word to describe him, I think. Yeah. Because I didn't realize he was American until I read the TARDIS wiki. <laughs> now, they, they say it a couple times. I think he's trying to do a New York or Boston accent, but like he doesn't know anybody from New York or Boston. So he's just trying his best and it just it it needs some work, but it's not awful. <laughs> yeah, again, I didn't even I didn't even realize it. But so the ship lands, consumes this homeless guy, and then Bill Filer is first on the scene. Also, again, immediately captured. And this episode, this episode drags. It really does. Cause it, it really does. Because you see beat for beat the homeless guy getting captured and like analyzed by the ship. And then you see it do the exact same thing to Bill Filer. To the point yeah. where I, you wonder, why am I watching this twice? Yes, 100%. And... Again, like the editing and cinematography of this episode are fucking weird because it feels like almost all of the shots, at least in this first episode, but also it kind of bleeds over into other episodes. It feels like so many of them are just close ups. All of the shots are close ups. And I'm like, it bugged me after a while when all of when all these people were having conversations and arguments and it was all just like zoomed in on their face. I'm like, can we get a couple of other shots, please? Mm hmm. One good note on the set design is the, no, it's, not, it's not really the set design, but the spaceship on exterior, very cool. Yes. Uh, like when you see it and it kind of like opens up like a mouth, I'm like, okay, that's pretty sweet. Do we have a budget again? And then you go inside and you realize the set is <laughs> comprised entirely of shower curtains and you're like, nope, no, nope. sure don't. Nope. The whole budget was spent on that. It looks like, God. How would you describe it, Caleb? I mean, it looks like... It looks like ripped up shower curtains. It looks like the Children's Museum had a very limited budget to try and make an interactive exhibit where you walk through the human body. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, that'd be good. I think that's a good way of describing it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're walking through someone's very cheap asshole. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and then... uh the doctor and the brigadier and Chin and the other expendable people go into the uh, ship and Joe is getting ready to go in. And the doctor says, Joe, I'm sorry, not this time. And I'm like, you have to know that's her trigger phrase. Come on, man. If there's one way to get Joe Grant to get into the action, it's to tell her to not get into the action. I know. <laughs> that being said... The part of Joe Grant will be played by Susan Foreman in this story. Boy, howdy. She is Susanified like nobody's business. <laughs> yep. Are we sure this wasn't written for the first Doctor? Maybe it was. I'm not sure. Because, well, I liked Joe in this episode because she still has that kind of, fuck you, I'm going to do whatever I want and save the day anyway as I actively ignore orders. Yes. I like that. And then I felt like she did actually literally nothing the rest of the story. She actually did nothing except scream and freak out at the monsters. Mm -hmm. That's kind of all she contributed to the story. Well, like, it was so bad when I kind of sat down to, like, write these notes. I was, I was literally like, what the fuck did Joe do in this story? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> she, she walks on set for the, uh, like, to sneak into the ship. I was like, I like Joe's outfit. Very cool. And I think that's the last note I wrote about her. I think they try to make it seem like Joe and Filer have a thing, but again, so much is like cut from it that anytime it feels like it's trying to tell you that they have a thing, they haven't had anything establish it. Mm -hmm. 
also worth noting that uh, Bill Filer is here specifically because he's supposed to be hunting down the master. He is a specialist and he is here to locate and arrest the master. That will be come up coming up in just a minute. And uh, they go into the ship and they're like, oh, what is going on here? And then the doctor just has what can only be described as a brain attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he just like clutches at his head. He screams and he's flashes of images are thrown into his head and he drops to his knees and brigadier comes over and uh says what's wrong and the doctor's like oh i'm good anyway let's keep going (laughs) (laughs) yep totally normal it's sometimes i get those it happens i like i forgot to take my medicine this morning it's the only thing that keeps the voices quiet and then they, they they meet the the axons and Okay, so they're, like, explaining what it is that, what the axons are, and what axonite is, uh, and it's, like, a very long explanation, but they, like, cut in, like, in the middle of the scene over to Joe asking where Bill is, and then it cuts back to the axons mid-explanation, and it's just, like, the editing is weird, and it's difficult for me to explain exactly why, unless you just watch it and see for yourself. But also, this episode sucks, and you shouldn't watch it. I'm conflicted, Caleb. Yeah, I agree. The one funny thing about uh, the accident explanation is like, so like, they're like, Axonite, it grows stuff and makes stuff smaller. Here's an example, and they, they've got a frog, and they're like, you guys eat these, right? And they're like, no. And they're like, oh, well, anyway, <laughs> pretend like this is something you eat, <laughs> and then they make it bigger. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And, and then it, it cuts over to Bill Filer, like, being held down by, let's face it, a bunch of people who have, like, tentacle arm things that go through the hole in the floor and are, like, trying to hold them, yeah. hold them down. It, it looks really cheap, like, even by Doctor Who standards. But he's being held by tentacles and then he looks over and the master is also being held up against the wall with tentacles and uh bill filer asks who he is and he says i am the master i'm like isn't bill specifically here to hunt this man down was he not given like a picture or something why does he not know what the master looks like mad you forget the master is a master of disguise. No one has a picture of the master. He could be over there. He could be Jim the janitor. In fact, he has been Jim the janitor before. He'll be Jim the janitor later in this story. He is a master of disguise, but again, they've seen his actual face. Have like, they? Like, kind of a lot. But have they, Meg? I really want the last episode to be the master. It'd be like, we'll, we'll hunt you down. We know who you really are. And then he'll be like, oh, really? And then he just pulls his face off. And it's a di- different actor. He's also played by John Pertwee. <laughs> <laughs> the layers. Also, this episode established canon in my mind that none of the Time Lords have names. They just refer to themselves as titles. Because you have the doctor and the master. And that old guy was the banker. What's funny is that you're not entirely wrong it's not really spoilers it's just something you kind of you kind of osmos as as the series goes on and you meet more time lords time lords just kind of pick their own name like when the when they grow older they just pick their own name so 
you've got the doctor, you've got the master, you've got the monk. Like it, they they pick their own name, which honestly makes the existence of Susan all the more baffling to me. <laughs> She wasn't old enough to pick her name yet. Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm done with this episode. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, nothing else happens. Joe screams when she meets a tentacle monster. The doctor who, once again, invents tentacle porn. So, Yes. All right, episode two. The doctor rescues Joe, and the golden aliens explain that the ship's power source may have caused her to hallucinate. Filer and the Master work together to escape, but it is revealed that the Master is working with the strange aliens. The aliens make a duplicate of Filer. Back at HQ, Chin places the Brigadier under arrest and wants to run some tests on the Axonite. He arrests Joe and holds the Doctor hostage with a scientist named Windsor. The Master tries to plead with the aliens to be released, but they refuse and compel him to continue helping them. During that, the real Filer escapes and the Master goes after him. The Doctor convinces Windsor to test the Axonite with, a par- with particle acceleration. But the Doctor is attacked by the Filer replica. The real Filer arrives to rescue him, and the duplicate ends up in the light accelerator, where it evaporates. This activates the Axonite, which begins expanding. The whole facility is suddenly attacked by the tentacle monsters, and the Doctor realizes that the creatures, the Axonite, and even the ship are all made of the same material. This part starts off strong with, gosh, my favorite trope in this show... Ah, uh, you were probably just seeing things. Yep. Made me mad. We haven't had it in a while. And I'm like, fuck you. Joe, those were just your womanly wiles. Those were just your womanly wiles imagining though the giant tentacle monster. Why were you imagining a giant tentacle monster? <laughs> <laughs> womanly wiles, Mac. We've, we just said that. <laughs> and I also love how... Uh, Filer and the Master are both, you know, being held captive, and the Master, like, comes up with a plan of how to escape, and the plan is that Filer takes a gun that he had in his breast pocket, because he definitely had it on him, because he's American, and then shoot a specific part of the wall that will probably let the tentacles let them go, and it works. I just, I love that the that the plan is based entirely on, you're American, you have a gun on you, right? Perfect. All right, we're going to use that. <laughs> Perfect. You Americans and your guns. There's a brief conversation where Chin is talking to, I don't know what his official, like, title is. It's like, governor or secretary. Or somebody higher up in government. And this guy just feels like he would rather be talking to literally fucking anywhere, anyone else in the world other than Chin right now. And it was just like, I appreciate that Chin's boss notices that he's a fucking tool, too. <laughs> okay, I have this note written down, but I didn't really catch in your recap where it would be. But does the Brigadier hold Chin at gunpoint at some point? Yes. When they first get back to base, Chin's got the Axonite, and the Brigadier is all like, no, you don't. You're going to give that. You're going to hand that over to unit. And then the chimp goes, well, I've got the whole fucking army. So you're under arrest, actually. Right. Because Chin was like, this will be this will be uh, a second coming of the British Empire or whatever. And Brigadier is like, no, this is going to the UN because everybody needs it. Not just Britain. Um, but the Brigadier holding like a person in authority at gunpoint seems kind of out of character for him. 
he seems like a very by the books kind of guy from what we've seen so far, and it just feels a little. Uh, I don't know. He's been a little more rough and tumble the past couple episodes. Maybe the only time I can really, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not remembering very well, but the time that I'm really thinking of is the Ambassadors of Death, where he like arrested the general, but that felt more justified. I don't know. I do agree. He's he's more by the books. He's definitely lawful in the D and D alignment chart. But I can also just see him being so fed up with Chin because Chin is insufferable he the is. whole fucking time. <laughs> and the Brigadier's like, yeah, I'll commit treason for this. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I just did not care about these moments. And like like half of this episode and half of the next episode are just Chin and the Brigadier trying to be like, who's in charge? Yeah. And we, we say this episode could have been, or like this episode is supposed to be a seven-parter. We feel like parts are missing. I feel like this episode would have been perfect as a two-parter. And literally just write Chin out of the equation. Well, I think it would work as a four-parter. It's just like, again, it feels like they wrote a seven-parter and then just like took out a bunch of scenes so that it would fit into a four-part structure. And then they just, they didn't do any sort of rewrites to better connect shit. It just felt very sloppy. It felt like a very sloppy script. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the characters were written so out of character and it feels like the actors were kind of feeling it too because uh katie manning joe she felt she felt very melodramatic in a way that she hasn't been so far mm-hmm. because like at one point for example she's told that they're like 90 percent sure that bill is dead and she just does like the most dramatic 180 turn um said that's not true i don't believe you i'm like is that who joe is because it doesn't feel like it Mm -hmm. yeah and i the episode suffers just because like for the editing being like very clippy and like almost too fast Mm -hmm. i don't ever feel like anything is actually happening yeah they try to cut away from stuff to try and make it seem like stuff is happening but they just they keep they keep cutting back to the same thing over and over again. So it doesn't feel like it. It just feels off. Like, for instance, I, I forget what scene it is. I feel like it was when um, Chin was talking and doing his, let's face it, villain monologue about how England is going to benefit from being the sole possessor of the Axonite. And it kept cutting over to Filer in the ship and like, I don't know what was happening to him. Like, he looked like he was in a hypnotized trance, but I think they were, like, copying him. I'm not entirely sure what was happening. But they kept cutting from Chin going on his monologue over to Filer with his kaleidoscope face happening, and then back over to Chin continuing his monologue, and then back over to Filer just more close-up on him while lights are flashing in his face, and then back over to Chin continuing his talk. Like... The editor didn't know what editing was. Mm-hmm. And, like, they didn't understand the language of cinema. <laughs> yep. It, it, it annoyed me. <laughs> then the master is sent out to retrieve Filer. And I love how there's a guard just outside the ship, like, facing away from the ship. And then the entrance just, like, loud hydraulic opens and, like, smoke pours out of it. And then the master, like, sneaks out. And the guard just doesn't bat an eye. He's like, man, I don't pay, they don't pay me enough to turn around. 
<laughs> that sounds like a bunch of shit that isn't my problem. And then the master shoots him anyway. <laughs> maybe if they stationed someone to look at the ship, maybe then we'd be able to do something. But I was told to look out in this direction. Hum de dum de dum. Damn it, if that wasn't me though. I'm like, look, <laughs> they, they paid me to look that way. I'm gonna look that way. <laughs> Add an extra buck onto my hourly paycheck if you want me to turn my head. <laughs> and then the master shoots him anyway. And then the master. He, like, climbs onto a, a truck to, like, try and get to unit base faster. And the driver looks in the rearview mirror and sees the master. And, like, the master makes eye contact in the, in the mirror and says, I am the master and you will obey me. I'm like, I don't know. It feels like we should be doing, like, basilisk or medusa rules where, like, you have to make direct eye contact mirror shouldn't count that's all i'm saying it, this shouldn't have worked and i hated it <laughs> i'm still not entirely sure how the master's mind control works uh from what i can tell it's just he can control people who have weak wills and if he's away from them long enough they start to shake it off a little bit so he has to like check in with them regularly that's that's from what i've understood from what we've seen so far that seems like how his control works because we've established that time lords are like vaguely telepathic it's just that the master is good at this one specific avenue of telepathy and he's really good at it (laughs) (laughs) and then the group reconvenes the doctor talks is talking about uh the axons and then the brigadier just like comes to a revelation and he says then then you're saying they're not human at all i'm like No, Brigadier, the white and gold people without eyes who come from another planet in a spaceship made of meat are not human. Thank you for joining us. Wow, good job, Brigadier. All right, go back to coloring. (laughs) I can see how you raised to your rank. God damn, we're all doomed. (laughs) Uh, Brittany was like on her phone uh, on the couch while I was watching this, and I was just like casually watching it. And I was like, I get the feeling that I'm watching another episode right now that I hate that is universally loved. I don't know why. It's just the vibe I'm getting. Is that the case, Mac? I haven't looked it up yet because I'm scared to, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I am done with this episode. Uh, the only thing I really have to comment on is there's a point when Windsor, the other scientist, is talking to the doctor. And the doctor basically says he can't remember anything about dematerialization. And he's like, and so you have all this research on time travel? And the doctor's like, well, yes, of course. And he's like, and where did you publish it? And the doctor's like, I don't remember. And he's like, hmm, interesting. You don't remember. Uh, I don't know. I like how condescending the scientist was about the doctor being intelligent. Yeah, there was a lot of condescension. There was one dialogue back and forth that I wrote down that I didn't really bring up. I don't remember what the exact experiment was, but uh, they were trying to experiment on stuff with Axonite. And the doctor says, the doctor's basically telling him, no, that's stupid and you're stupid for thinking it. And the scientist is like, well, screw you, I'm going to do it anyway. But then it doesn't work. And the scientist says, well, go on, say it. The doctor says, say what? He says, I told you so. I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got nothing else to say. They get attacked by tentacle monsters at the end of the episode. Yep. All right, episode three. 
The aliens hypnotize the Doctor and Joe and return them to the ship. The Brigadier tries to get word to London, but all his efforts are thwarted by Chin and his men. The accents tell Chin they do not know where the Doctor and Joe went, and warn them against trying any more experiments. The accents reveal their plan is to spread Axonite around the world, turning every particle into nutrition slash fuel for their ship. The process will complete in 72 hours. The Master sneaks into Unit HQ and heads for the TARDIS. The Doctor is tortured for information about time travel, so the accents can spread through time. The Master is captured by Unit, and he agrees to help them stabilize their reactor in exchange for his own freedom. He can flood the power into the TARDIS and use it to destroy the accents when they attempt time travel. However, the Brigadier tries to stop him when he reveals the process will kill the Doctor and Joe. But with the fate of the world at stake, the Brigadier lets him do it. My immediate question about this episode is, why did the aliens lead them away to explain their plot to them? Other than torturing the Doctor for time travel. <laughs> I don't know. And on that note, like, they're surrounding the Doctor and Joe, and then you just, like, hear the uh, the Axon voice going de-energize and depersonalize. And it just, like, knocks them both out, and then makes them march along with the aliens back to the ship. I'm like, if you can do that so fucking quickly and easily, really should feel like you should be able to conquer this planet in a day without all the Axonite deception bullshit. It, it just feels like a bunch of unnecessary steps. Just hypnotize people. Yeah, tell them to just ignore us while we do this. I don't know. Tell the homeless guy to take the Axonite and drop it in the water supply. Boom. Boom. You're done. Boom, bam, boom. Yeah. Okay, so, like, the Doctor and Joe are led away, and then, like, all of the scientists and Chin and one of, like, the Axon gold guys are all, like, huddled in the lab, and they're they're talking for an extended period of time, and then the, the Axon points out Filer, who's just laying on the ground unconscious, and they all rush over to him. I'm like, he's been there the whole time. Like, within eyeshot of several of the characters. Why are you just now noticing this? And then the Brigadier comes over to check on Filer. And it's like, he wasn't even in this room. Where the fuck did the Brigadier come from? It feels like we're skipping scenes that establish <laughs> stuff that hasn't been established. It's annoying. The more I think about this episode, the less I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, because I was kind of, like, mad on it, but the more we're talking about it, and the more I'm like, yeah, this episode kind of, like, really sucks, actually. <laughs> yeah, so they, they take them back to the ship just to explain the fucking plot of the episode. Basically. And then they're like, but now you're going to teach us about time travel. And then there's a very extended sequence about math. Yeah, but... Before this, it's a very important scene, Caleb. Before this, I think I think it's it is sh focusing on the Doctor and Joe, and then it cuts over to what looks like Chin taking a nap at his desk, and then he wakes up because he got a phone call from his boss, and then his boss is basically telling him that no, we need to do the worldwide distribution of Axonite. You were out of line. Also, hand in your resignation. This is your last job. And he just seems kind of cool with it. <laughs> like, Jin just doesn't seem to have a reaction to the fact that he's just been fired and the thing that he's been striving for is just not going to happen. I, I have no idea what that was supposed to be. Yeah, it's so memorable, I almost completely forgot about it. So <laughs> Yeah, and then the Master is in a disguise telling the guards to basically leave the lab so that he can get to the TARDIS. 
uh, and the moment the the guards leave, he takes off his uh, his face mask again to reveal that it is in fact the master. Uh, and I'm like, why did you take off the disguise? What if someone walks in here? What are you doing? I really want somebody in this story to act like they have at least two working brain cells. But also, and this is a critique of the master at large, why does he disguise himself for anything? Why doesn't he just Jedi mind trick people of, you didn't see me? Because he heard the phrase master of disguise once, and he's like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, that's, <laughs> that's, that's going to be my, that's going to be my thing. It's going to be, it's going to be a pun and I'm going to love it. Everyone's going to love it. I'm going to wear a three-piece suit under all my disguises. <laughs> but yeah, and then it cuts back over to the doctor being, like, tortured by the Axos. The Axons? I'm not sure what you want to call it. He's like, uh, sorry, it can't help you with the time travel thing. The Time Lords put, like, a block on my brain, so I can't quite piece it together how to do time travel. Oh, darn, sorry, can't help you. And then they just kind of undo it. I'm like, oh, okay, now I do have access to those formulas. I'm like... Is the are the is Axos powerful enough to overwrite the Time Lords and yet not powerful enough to actually do time travel? It feels weird. And then they threaten the Doctor with like aging Joe. They start they cut over to Joe and they like have this light on her and they like start slowly applying like old lady makeup to make her look older and older. And the Doctor like tells them to stop and he'll he'll comply. And I'm just like, no, I can't travel with an old companion. No, they have no. to be young and hot. I can't. Oh, God, she's got wrinkles. That's so gross. Old men aren't supposed to be with old women. <laughs> then just it just keeps piling on, though. Why did you do that? Like, they recognize that uh, shit's going down in the reactor. And, the, and if they don't, the axons realize that something's going on in the reactor and they need to get over there now. But like halfway to the reactor the gold version turns into the spaghetti monster and i'm like why you basically had free reign of the place with your gold person disguise why did you turn into a tentacle monster that's going to make people shoot at you i don't understand (laughs) yeah (laughs) it just had a whole lot of weird shit and i don't know it and then the third episode it felt like things were like, coming to a head. It was very chaotic, and, like, the climax was happening. And then the episode ended, and it just feels like... I was like, episode four is gonna feel like nothing, isn't it? Shit's already hit the fan. It feels like there's not really a whole lot... Like, the resolution will happen, and then there's not a whole lot else that will be able to fill up an entire episode. Which is kind of what happened. Kind of what happened. Not really, but... Not quite, but uh, it it just... I don't know. I'm tired, Caleb. I'm so, so tired. I'm old, Gandalf. I may not look it, but I am. <laughs> too little butter spread over too much bread. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to read episode four now. Please do. The Doctor and Joe manage to escape before the ship disappears. The Axons reverse the power back into the light accelerator, and the whole building may blow up at any moment. The Master tries to escape, but the Doctor convinces him to help him defeat the Axons. He figures he can use the Master to help him fix the TARDIS and defeat their common enemy all at once. Unit forces fight Axon monsters. It's all very bad. Using the TARDIS, the two Time Lords appear on the Axon ship. They offer a partnership to overthrow the Time Lords Council in exchange for the secrets of time travel. 
The Doctor will infuse the ship's core with the TARDIS console to do this. However, the Doctor is setting the TARDIS to do a time loop, which the Master calls suicide before running away. The Axon ship disappears and the complex explodes. From a safe distance, the Brigadier and Joe see the TARDIS rematerialize and the Doctor steps out. He tells them the Axons are caught in an infinite time loop and that he managed to escape. However, there's a chance the Master may have escaped too. There's a couple of things that you didn't touch on in your recap that I'm honestly surprised by, which we'll, which we'll get to when we get to. As uh, the Doctor and Joe are escaping, and Joe is at her Susan nest, just like screaming at everything, uh, they're kind of... They were kind of panicking and being bombarded with mental energy and stuff. And the doctor tells Joe, like, a math problem to, to do in her head. And then, like, goes from the solution of that problem to another math problem that she needs to do in her head. And then to another math problem to, like, basically help her focus and to uh, keep from the, the panic setting in so that they can escape. Uh, fun fact, I often do that in order to wake myself up in the morning. I'll just give myself mm. mental math to, like, give myself something to, like, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> oh, interesting. Maybe I should do that. I no. think I started doing it in high school, so I probably picked it up from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so the doctor gets back, and uh, he's basically telling everybody how fucking doomed they all are. And the doctor's like, there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop Axos. Right, so here's what I need to stop Axos. Mm -hmm. And they bring together a whole bunch of uh, components and elements and stuff that he needs. And this is the thing that I was surprised you didn't mention. The Doctor is basically like, because he's working with the Master to try, to try and get the TARDIS working. And he's like, let's haul ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to bring, uh, I didn't mention the, the recap just because like, ah, I was tired at this point. I was so fed up talking about this episode already. But yeah, but I would say th these conversations between the Doctor and the Master and like the kind of like ending state of the TARDIS is the only redeeming qualities of the episode. Yeah. Because uh, I absolutely love the fact that the Doctor and the Master are like, we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, this place is about to blow. We we need to just come on, pick up, pick it up. We got to get the fuck out of here. And then when Unit realizes uh, the Doctor is leaving like they try to stop him but like between the doctor and the master they 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 manage to get back to the tardis he's like goodbye everyone so long brigadier joe i'll miss you <laughs> and then he closes the door <laughs> which only makes about the third time in a row that the doctor's tried to leave and like been really shitty to the brigadier <laughs> as he's trying to escape i know i love it which like what do you think did he actually mean to like leave or was it just like an act for maybe the master's sake in order to make the master more compliant or what do you think the doctor has tried to leave at every single moment regardless of whether the master was present or not that's true but like yeah okay yeah no no i'm i'm, I'm with you because of the other thing that you didn't mention in the recap but like he does it seems like he tries to take out the axons like on his way out like, yeah, you know, I'll take care of this Axon problem, but, like... But I am leaving. <laughs> bye. And, man, it's so weird. Because, like, you hear the TARDIS noise. And I'm like, is it weird that, like, I kind of missed that sound? It feels like we haven't heard the TARDIS take off in a while. Yeah, in a hot second. 
He says he describes it as like a yo-yo because like the time wars are basically programmed the TARDIS to always return to Earth. Yes, that was that was the thing. The way I kind of interpreted it was the the master and the doctor try to leave, get yo-yoed back to Earth, but don't land quite in the same spot, and so they land on the accident ship. And then the doctor's like, "Well, I guess I'm gonna solve the problem because I have to now." Yeah. Well, don't don't they land on the axon ship first? Well, that that's what he said. Like it, he tries to leave, but it always comes back to Earth. Yeah. But I'm think I think that he went to the Axon ship, decided to okay, I'll go ahead and take care of your Axon problem, and then tried to leave. But the moment he tried to leave from the Axon ship, that's when he was pulled back to Earth. My counterpoint to that to be would be when has the Doctor ever gone somewhere specifically? Well, the Master was at the helm this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that's a fair counterpoint. <laughs> the Master actually knows how to fucking drive. <laughs> Because at first I was like, I don't think the doctor meant to do that because the doctor can't mean to do that. He manages to get the axons into the into the time loop. And then all the spaghetti monsters that were like still on Earth and like attacking people just kind of like disappeared. I'm like, I'm not sure I fully understand why, because it's all one entity, right? So mm-hmm. shouldn't have been like cutting off a limb like the limb doesn't disappear. It just like die. <laughs> It feels like they should have just, like, fallen over dead or just, like, frozen in time or something. I don't know. It felt it felt weird that they just disappeared. Yeah. And, okay, I'm a little confused. I mean, it's I know, it's just sci-fi gobbledygook, whatever. But I'm a little confused how the Doctor actually got out of the time loop. A, that he could get out of the time loop without taking the axons with him. And B, like, there were actual, like, spaghetti monsters holding him down on the console. And then he, like reached over and flipped a switch and that's what made the TARDIS escape the time loop. But like, what about the spaghetti monsters that were inside the TARDIS with him? Yeah. And it's interesting because the, the Brigadier even calls out, he's like, so you escaped, but the Axons definitely can't. And the doctor's like, yep. And I'm not going to explain it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll hand it to this story. This specific episode, way better than the first three. Significantly Just better. Based entirely on the Doctor and Master interacting and piecing the fuck out. Uh, and again, I'm personally a fan of like the every story contributes a little bit to the greater narrative of the Doctor getting away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is, by and large, the only redeeming quality of this episode. Yeah. And on that note, like this is, this is now the, the TARDIS uh, whole situation is a little bit different now because now he is a galactic yo-yo, as he, as he puts it. So, like, he can use a TARDIS. It's just that he will now be coming back to Earth every other time. Mm-hmm. That's all I have for that episode. Yeah, that's all I got. All right. Trivia. So, as I said, this episode was originally pitched as a seven-parter starring the second Doctor. Apparently, it included evil aliens in a skull-shaped spaceship, a giant carrot crashing into the park, and space combat between ships. That sounds fucking cool. (laughs) Yeah, the production team loved it, but had to scale it down due to practicality and budget. It feels like it. (laughs) I wanted to see the giant carrot kill a bunch of kids. Me too! Um, So the, the weather, when they were filming on location, was absolutely fucking insane and very predictable. Like, it was... It was snowing on Monday, raining on Tuesday, bright and sunny on Wednesday, hailing on Thursday. Like, it was very, very weird. So they had... So they filmed in Indiana. (laughs) 
basically. Uh, so they had to, they threw in an extra line in episode one saying that the Axon ship entering into the atmosphere has caused freak weather conditions just to, just to justify. <laughs> that, no, we're not, we're not waiting until the weather gets better to film. We have to film now. Uh, the writer Bob Baker didn't like having to include the master because the master, I, I don't know, I guess there was some sort of contract with Roger Delgado that he was in every single episode this season. Uh, Bob Baker didn't like that he had to include the master because he didn't feel like he fit into the established plot, which kind of true. Mm-hmm. Without the master, we wouldn't have gotten like the, the one good, good part. episode. Yeah. In this. <laughs> and when they discover the body of the hobo, it was originally like a wax dummy that like imploded on itself when it was touched that was the original effect but the higher-ups thought it was too horrific so they just kind of like changed it to a whiteout effect when they touched him which confused me yes confused me too because boy howdy is it never relevant again along with the making duplications of people also never relevant again nope i think they made duplications of bill filer and that's it Yep. And he was immediately found out. Like, there was a scene where it was some bill-on-bill bill violence, and then that's it. And that was in the same episode the bill copy was made. Yes. So yeah, that's the end of the trivia. Final thoughts. I was kind of mad on the episode when we came into this, and I actually just don't like it now. Yeah, it was it was rough. I know we said it a thousand times, but it definitely feels like a seven-parter that was very shoddily edited down to four A lot of people felt very out of character, Joe especially. And again, it's difficult for me to really describe just in what ways the editing is fucking bizarre without just showing you the episodes. But yeah, this is at the bottom of my list, and I kind of hope it stays there for a while. I really hope we don't have any other stories that are worse than this one anytime soon. Yeah, and I hope we don't have like a kind of what happened in The Last Doctor where we have like a slog of just like a bunch of bad episodes in a row. Yeah, me too. I agree. I, again, I won't know until I do my list, but it, I feel like this is at the bottom. So, yeah. hoping it stays there. I still overall like the Third Doctor era the most. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about it. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things if you want to follow us you can follow us on instagram at quick trip dw you can also follow me on instagram at celebrity 620 and you can check out Mac's youtube channel mac the math where he does insightful videos about video games and join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we have our first fully off-world third doctor adventure in colony in space it's about a colony in space. Oh, sure. Now my heater turns off.